Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Morning and welcome to Out of the Blue on Sunday, 17th of September 2017. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855 on your AM dial, or you can have a listen from our website, www.3cr.org.au forward slash radio blue, where you'll find a number of previously broadcast episodes that have been uploaded as podcasts. My name is Andrew Christie from Melbourne Polytechnic and Marine Care Point Cook, and today's weather, well, what an absolute cracker of a day. Uh, if you could bottle weather like this and keep it on hand, our, uh, our lives would be much, much better. Uh, after all the crappy weather that we've put up with lately, it is fantastic to get a great burst of sunshine. Top temperature of 19 degrees in Melbourne today and uh, just such uh, gorgeous weather. Light winds from the north. One thing to uh, bear in mind is that uh, towards the evening, uh, early evening I believe, the wind is just starting to pick up a bit and we're getting gusts of up to about 35 kilometres an hour. So just remember that's uh, that's more than enough to tip over a kayak. Um, so just be, uh, as I always say, be careful when you're out and about on the uh, the beautiful waterways of, uh, of Victoria today. Um, I'm hoping to jump in the water myself out at Point Cook Marine Sanctuary today when I'm, uh, when I'm done with the, uh, the show this morning. Okay, um, last time I was on the air back on the uh, 13th of August, I was discussing the incident at Brighton Beach uh, when young Sam Canazay, his name was, was munched on, uh, feasted on by a bunch of uh, marine scavengers, uh, made a lot of uh, news where the amphipod crustaceans jumped in and started taking a nibble on him. And I was going to take up that discussion a little bit more and talk about the role of scavengers in the water and uh, talk about some of the, uh, the, the one of the mollusk species, the little uh, snails that I studied for my honours project uh, at Deakin University all those years ago and then I started thinking of another little issue that popped into my head during the week and it relates to shells but it is a little bit different um, to what our listeners are probably expecting and when I say shells at the Point Cook Marine Sanctuary I'm talking about uh, unexploded ordnance um, so something that's uh, a bit out of left field today so I'll discuss that uh, in coming up after this brief announcement. Hello? 
male chauvinist pig versus hairy leg feminist. You're still a feminist, right? I'm a tennis player who happens to be a woman. The battle you've all been waiting to see. The battle of the sexes. You want to see it, right? Then get along and support 3CR at the Palace Withgrass Cinemas, 89 High Street, Northcote, on Thursday, October 5th, from 6.30pm, for a screening of Battle of the Sexes. You're offering the men's winner eight times what you're offering the women's winner. The men are simply more exciting to watch. It's just biology. <laughs> the story of the infamous tennis match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. Tickets are $25 and $20 concession. You can purchase online at 3cr.org.au direct from the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, or by phoning 9419-8377 during business hours. All funds raised go to Keeping 3CR on air. Battle of the Sexes screening, Thursday, October the 5th from 6.30pm. Does she have the nerve? Call Barbie. Time it's on. You are listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55 on your AM dial. Okay, this story begins back on the 26th of March, 2017. And back on that day, um, I went scuba diving uh, with a couple of pals, uh, Cade Mills, who's of the uh, VNPA, Victorian National Parks Association, working with Reef Watch, and uh, Sandy Webb, who's a stalwart of the Jawbone Marine Sanctuary Care Group, amongst other things. Um, both terrific people to get in the water with. They make fantastic dive buddies. They're extremely knowledgeable about the marine environment. And as it turned out, on this particular day, we headed out to Point Cook. Um, we were all jumping into the water just west of the marine sanctuary. Now, the, the point of the dive was to put, uh, put together and locate um, what, we, what are called settlement plates. Or, or actually, sorry, to check these uh, settlement plates that we were uh, getting into the water. Now, a settlement plate is essentially these uh, little um, slabs of PVC, if you like, little plates of PVC that are tethered to a central pole, and at the bottom of the pole, you've got a nice big besser block um, to anchor the thing in place. And the idea was that Cade went out and set a bunch of these settlement plates up previously, and we were going back to go and check the settlement plates. And the reason that we were checking the settlement plates was because because you get quite a few oysters amongst other things. The big uh, flavour of the month, or it has been for now now for a few years, is what we call the Angazi oysters. They're the flat oysters, and there's a lot of interest being um, shown towards these oysters right at the moment, because back in the day, there were these great big scallop dredges that went through, um, amongst other issues like overfishing, potentially pollution, and all these other things, where we had these wonderful shellfish reefs in place for a, for a very long time. All of a sudden, the scallop dredges and all these things went through and, and ripped up the bottom and when I say a shellfish reef what you've essentially got is a reef forming as a result of uh, okay you've got an oyster living on the bottom and it, it lives and it dies and then its pal jumps on and uh, starts to accrete they call it basically glue itself to that previous oyster's shell and then you get a um, you might get a mussel do likewise and then another oyster and then another mussel and then another oyster and after a while you get what's called a shellfish reef which is basically a whole bunch of shells glued together um, to form this amazing habitat. 
and a very, very diverse sort of a what you'd call almost a cryptic habitat. Lots of nooks and crannies for little things like blennies and flatworms and all these wonderful things to get in and amongst and uh, form this ecosystem. So what that does, of course, is it, it, it provides absolute uh, um, heaven for things like uh, snapper and all those other fish species that we all know and love to come in and enjoy the environment. So you've got this thriving ecosystem. Um, it's been estimated that we've lost somewhere between 95 and 97% of the shellfish reefs within Port Phillip Bay. Quite an incredible and and scary statistic. So what they're doing at the Nature Conservancy, amongst other places, uh, Simon Brannigan, who's been instrumental in uh, leading the project, with uh, Ben Cleveland from uh, University of Melbourne and uh, Paul Hamer from Fisheries Victoria, a lot of organisations have bought in to try and restore these shellfish reefs. And the uh, overall, the uh, the results have gotten so far are very very encouraging and, and quite promising. So that's all terrific. And uh, what we were doing at Point Cook was to see, okay. Different parts of the bay, you'll get different um, amounts of growth of these oysters. So, for example, things like um, uh, if, if you're looking at uh, Blair Gary, I believe, has, has recorded some really strong results. Other areas of the bay, not quite as much, but it's important that we know where these good uh, natural spat grounds are, where the oysters uh, accrete and jump on and start for you see the, the when I say spat, it's the juvenile tiny oysters jumping onto the plates and uh, forming these ecosystems from that. So good to know where the hot spots are if you like. And we got some pretty good results this day out at uh, Point Cook to cut a long story short. Um, uh, jumped in the water and I've got to say uh, Kate and Sandy had a bit of a head start on me but they only increased the gap. I was uh, struggling to keep up with them. Um, it's always uh, a, a bit rude to ask a lady for her age but those who haven't met Sandy Webb um, she's, uh, she's, she's what you call a senior citizen but she jumps in the water with her scuba tank and she takes off like some sort of bloody submersible uh, She's incredible. If I get to her age, full stop, I'll be happy. If I get to her age and am at one quarter as fit as she is, um, I'll be absolutely wrapped with life. Um, Cade Mills is a, a, a very good uh, specimen too, so he jumped in the water and took off. And we went out and... Uh, ended up descending into about four metres of water and uh, to give our listeners an idea that's about you're talking 400 500 metres off the beach at Point Cook um, to get into water that deep you've got to really work for it because Port Phillip Bay as a lot of our listeners will know is relatively shallow in the grand scheme of things it gets to uh, you know you get your 18 metre deep sections and you know towards the hedge you get out to about 24 25 metres plus um, no worries at all and even more now with the channel deepening that's taken place but we descended in about four meters of water and then we started actually checked the settlement plates and we started making our way back towards the shore and at one point sandy uh tapped me on the arm got my attention and handed me something and sort of as if to say what's this and uh, i'll describe it for our listeners as being about the size of a tennis ball um a very uh a cone-shaped object and extremely heavy for for the size of this thing it was i, I don't know the exact weight but it was well over a kilo it was a very solid lump of uh, what appeared to be some sort of cast iron metal or something along those lines. I'm not 100% sure of the composition. Uh, but what I did recognise as soon as she handed it to me was that it was uh, essentially what you'd describe as a, uh, a fuse for an artillery shell or similar type of munition. Uh, so I was very interested when she handed that to me. We got back to the shore and I was trying to make signals to them. Cade got a bit of a laugh out of it when I was trying to signal what it was. I tried to make the sort of a, a, a you know, 
a hand sign, a signal of a gun, and shooting and, and lobbing this projectile and saying that's part of uh, part of an artillery shell. So anyway, we uh, got back to the shore and I said to Sandy, "Gee, this is a hell of a find. Do you mind if I hang on to this?" And she said, "No, no worries at all. Like, firstly, you know, what what do you think it is?" And I said, "I'm pretty damn sure it's a, a shell from uh, a fuse from a munition." And then I uh, I was wondering, of course, well, what the hell do I do with this thing now? Uh, bottom line is that it's um, uh, an interesting little artifact. Do I polish it up and keep it on the bookshelf just around the corner from me at the Point Cook RAAF Museum, which is um, part of the, uh, the the Point Cook RAAF base, which incidentally is about the oldest operating, uh, continuously operating air base in the world. Um, back in March of uh, 2014, they had the 100-year anniversary celebration for the, uh, for the base. Uh, so of course, being so close by to the museum, I thought, well, this might make an interesting museum piece. Maybe they can sort out a little placard to say this is where it was found and this is what it is and so on. So I'm thinking this could be pretty interesting. And as it turns out, my uh, girlfriend, Caroline Esbenshade, who some of our listeners uh, our listeners might remember, has been on the show a number of times over the years, uh, a keen member of Marine Care Point Cook. Her dad, actually, uh, Thomas, um, Thomas Esbenshade, he used to serve in, uh, in artillery in the United States Marine Corps. So we did one of those FaceTime things on, uh, on, um, on, on the computer, and I held up this, um, this, this fuse and showed it to him. Um, across the computer so as he could view it back at his home in Virginia in the USA and he took one look at it and he said yeah that's probably not the best thing to have in the house I'd, I'd, I'd pop that out in the backyard and get someone to come and have a look at that and I uh, thought yeah well that's probably pretty good advice we'll play the percentages on that one from a guy who uh, who knows plenty about artillery so I did that I put it out in the back and then uh, you know time sort of crept up on me a bit and uh, you know days turned into weeks turned into months and I thought well I really should get this thing checked out and as it turned out, I had a bunch of mates um, that we all got together and headed up to Sydney. The main point of that was a footy trip, which I won't go into except to say that it was pretty heartbreaking. The bombers lost to Sydney by a point after the siren. But anyway, while we were up there, I was checking out the uh, National Maritime Museum in Sydney, which is well worth a look for our listeners that haven't been there. If you ever get the chance, check it out. It's really interesting stuff. And sure enough, there in a display case is a uh, is an exploded version, if you like, of a, um, of a big fat artillery shell from memory about 4.5 inch diameter, maybe 115 millimetres or thereabouts is the conversion, I think. And there's something that looks very, very similar to the fuse that I've got sitting at home um, and showing how it taps into the nose of this artillery shell. And uh, as it turned out, friends of uh, Caroline's family, uh, the Ducharmes, uh, Kevin Ducharme, who uh, was on succumbent to the Royal Australian Navy at the time, he's since headed back to uh, his native US. His, uh, his work in, uh, in Australia is done for the time being and he's back with the United States Navy now um, taking up a position as commander of a, uh, a what's called an Ali Burke class destroyer um, uh, so the USS Gridley for those who are interested so he's uh, he's back over there but uh, before he took off uh, while we were in Sydney I chatted to him and I said look I found this this thing what do you reckon this this fuse pretty sure it's a fuse from an artillery shell uh, do you know anyone I can speak to about it he said yeah well if you send us an email of uh, where you 
you found it and what it consists of and all the rest of it. Pop in a photograph of the of the beast, and uh, I'll uh, I'll contact a, a mate from EOD, so that's Explosive Ordnance Disposal, and I guarantee he'll get back to me same day because uh, these things I don't like to leave uh, sitting around for too long. So I'll see what he says and we'll go from there. So sure enough, uh, that day I got an email back saying what I want you to do is take it and put it in a bucket of water, and that's going to stabilise the mechanism. So we did that, and um, then to cut a long story short, I ended up getting a, uh, a phone call from uh, Victoria Police, who then said, well, in the next 10 minutes, you'll get a phone call from a guy with the army, uh, the bomb squad, essentially. So sure enough, right on the on the knocker, 10 minutes later, the phone rings, and it's the guy from the army saying, look, when's a good time to come around and check this thing out? And I said, well, I'm going to be working from home on the Thursday, so how does that sound? And he said, yeah, terrific, I'll come over and grab it then. So he did, and um, uh, he, he shows up to the house has a look at this uh, this this fuse and says to me uh, he was very relaxed when he saw it because he said generally there's a cap of high explosive that sits on the uh, on the rear end of this thing and um, that's what the the high explosive is used to actually then trigger the the mechanism which gets the the main explosive in the uh, in the bomb uh, to, to detonate and it goes off um, so he took it away and said you know it is technically still uh, unexploded ordnance so we'll uh, we'll take that off your hands and get rid of it for you but he said to me, you know, the key thing with this stuff is uh, back in the day, um, apparently, uh, whether it was the RAAF or the Royal Australian Navy, I'm not too sure, when they were conducting work in those areas, they'd often take the expended munitions, um, uh, hopefully expended, and uh, they'd dump them into the water, uh, directly adjacent to the Point Cook Marine Sanctuary amongst other places. So the uh, the fact of the matter is that today there's potentially some, uh, some unexploded ordnance, maybe shells that haven't detonated and a few other things sitting out out there who knows how long they've been there for um like i said it won't be from uh from 1914 when the base first opened potentially but there could be stuff dating from the uh easily from about second world war vintage um and later that's been uh tossed into the marine sanctuary um not a great situation from that point of view but his key point was if you find any more there um they're happy where they are just uh just leave them there so that's why i wanted to uh talk about that on the air today for those of you that are getting into point cook marine sanctuary or northern Port Phillip Bay. There's been quite a bit of defence activity over the years in areas like Williamstown. Um, if you do find any of this stuff that looks a bit sus, uh, feel free to grab some photos and all the rest of it. I don't think it's necessarily the thing you'd, you'd never dream of touching or anything like that. But just grab some photos and uh, maybe even report it, but uh, just leave the stuff to sit there because, uh, as he said, it's quite uh, it's quite happy where it is. Uh, last thing we want to have is any sort of accidents from uh, from these sorts of uh, these sorts of issues. Anyway, uh, what we... What we might do is uh, quickly kick to a song. Um, uh, I was just thinking, all this time, this uh, this device has sat at the bottom of the ocean and been quite happy. And here's a song with that exact title, All This Time by Sting. it's hip-hop, blues, reggae, jazz, opera, roots, curry or world music you're into, 3CR's music menu is serving it up to you. You're with Music Sans Frontieres, music from around Australia and around the world. Good afternoon everybody and welcome to another edition of Great Voices. You're listening to Hit Sister Hop on 3CR 855 AM. Music matters on 3CR, 12 noon every Friday. Keep these diverse tunes on the air by subscribing to 3CR. 
call 94198377. You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55 on your AM dial. I tend to do a lot of name dropping on this show and uh, one of the things that really sort of stands out about the, uh, whether you're talking about topics like marine ecology, marine biology, aquaculture, all these sorts of things, is it's uh, it's an amazingly small world and once you once you start meeting a few people, you start to know others, you get that snowball effect and it's one of those areas where everyone knows everyone and uh, uh, the likes of um, Cade Mills and Sandy Webb, I'm very, very keen to get on the show uh, in the future. Uh, the other name I was dropping before, Kevin Duchamp of the United States Navy, um, him and Al Paquin uh, were some gentlemen that I had on the show back in January of 2016, and it's one of the best interviews I've ever conducted. Uh, those guys talking about uh, the marine world from the from the US Navy point of view, it was some uh, some pretty uh, some pretty fascinating listening for me. Um, and uh, having the pleasure of chatting to those guys off air as well, of course, was uh, was fantastic. So yeah, very uh, very interesting stuff. Uh, just uh, wanted to, just as we head towards wrapping up the show, I uh, wanted to point out that um, there's some really interesting stuff going on at the moment at the Sun Theatre in Yarraville. Um, Dunkirk is a show that uh, sort of involves the Merchant Navy. I haven't had the pleasure of seeing that one yet, but it uh, it looks pretty amazing and from all reports is a, a pretty, uh, a, a very, very decent production. So uh, see if you can go and check that out. I actually had a look at Lawrence of Arabia last night and uh, some of the some of the cinematography in that show where they're showing the Gulf of Aqaba in the Red Sea and all that sort of stuff it was uh, it was quite incredible it uh, sort of reminded me a bit today we're coming in on the train looking out at the uh, the water from Seaholm station and uh, you can see the waters around Williamstown and Altona and it just looks uh, fair dinkum it looks that flat out there today that if uh, if a crab farts I think we might get a tsunami warning it is uh, it is that flat and that inviting so uh, whatever you do today make sure you uh, you don't get uh, stuck in the house or stay indoors too much go outside and get a great big fat injection of vitamin d which we all need and uh face the uh the upcoming working week where i believe we've got some beautiful weather coming too uh getting up to 22 degrees i think uh is a high during um during the the, the coming working week which is always a, a nice thing uh what i might have to do eventually is start talking about some of the bioremediation efforts so i've sort of painted a, a bit of a picture here of the uh, department of defenses that's not all that flattering if they're taking all these munitions out and uh, whether they be expended or otherwise and dumping them into the water using the ocean as a as a bit of a, a garbage dump it's it's never a nice thing but important to remember too um, on the in the exact opposite direction uh, near Point Cook Marine uh, Sanctuary there's the uh, as I was saying the RAAF base and they used to do a lot of uh, training for the fireys um, those uh, firefighters in the area and for many years they were using these fire retardant chemicals that are especially toxic and what they found was that what they'd effectively do is get these great big pits. They'd put aircraft bodies and fuselages and all this sort of stuff into the water. They'd set them on fire and they'd go and hose them down, uh, which they've got to do as part of their training, of course. But then they were finding there's a lot of leachate, a lot of chemicals leaching out of those pits and heading down towards the sea. Uh, and there's a massive effort underway at the moment. They've spent millions on it and they're, they're bioremediating all the soil. So they've gone through and built some very impressive looking infrastructure that they're going through and getting on top of that. So I didn't want to paint a 
an unnecessarily negative picture of the Department of Defence, noting that they do some very good work too with regards to uh, to issues like this that do come up from time to time. Okay, that's it from me today for Out of the Blue. Uh, stay tuned for Sally with Out of the Pan. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.